I cannot imagine the first case of domesticated cat went well. I don't think it would have. I don't. I mean, I think they probably just, you know, they came around for the food. They were like outdoor animals first, right? Because all animals started as outdoor animals. And then someone was like, hmm, maybe it'd be really nice to, like, hold hold my dog in bed when I sleep. And that's something that I could personally relate to. You know what I mean? Except Lana doesn't mm-hmm. cuddle. Lana is not a cuddler. She likes no. getting the belly rubs. She's not. She ain't no Coraline. I'm like, oh, there's a layout. You know, and that's there we go. That's the problematic part for me is that she, she, uh, um, you know, sometimes I, I tell Lana, I say, you know, Lana, I just wish you were more like Coraline. And it's there. Welcome, everyone, to Excitement Incorporated. I'm Daniel. I'm Rich. If you guys want to catch the show, you can catch it on all kinds of broadcasting places where they do the podcasts, like Apple Podcasts, like Stitcher, like Google Play, and I think that's like it, really. Yeah. I, Anywhere I, that mirrors an RSS feed, yeah. I can pick it up on Downcast. Yeah. I need to uh, – we're on the social medias, too. You can find us. You can message us. You can be like, hey – uh, can you guys stop making podcasts because they're like terrible and we'll be like <laughs> someone That's noticed right. someone's listening <laughs> thank the lord yes. and then we'll keep making podcasts okay. yeah basically so um which is a lot like our first youtube comment for anyone who might be tuning in because we met you in between the last eight months of hiatus uh i think our one of our first youtube comments was uh this is terrible guys <laughs> and <laughs> we we were so happy we to have our first comment. Co- they, we celebrated that comment. <laughs> we did. Super hard. They have no idea. Like, we he tried like, to stop us. Amazing. We are dumb white men. We don't stop doing dumb things. We just don't. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand up. Um, uh, okay. If you feel the need to screenshot this. I mean, you can stay there. If you feel the need to screenshot this while I stand up and turn on my light because it's getting dark, feel free. Um... You can upload it to the Pornhub that I'm going to make of us eventually. Stop circling. Ah. New acquisition. Brent of Dicks. Brent of Dicks. <laughs> oh, man. There was, I was going to, but I'm, I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious about making a Pornhub account. Um, hey, it's for the best. And here's why. I saw. What? Well, no, because I was just going to make, uh, I think that was going to make one of, like, uh, uh, Four Eyes, Mouth Fucks, an Alien, and it's me with your popcorn bucket back in the day when I was, like, fucking it in the mouth for whatever reason. I don't remember what, what the occasion called for or the reason that I did it, but I did. I don't recall either. And I was like, whenever we, you know, I need to get, like, uh, uh, Man Sips Hot Coffee. Yeah. And then it's just a compilation of, like, ASMR of you like doing your thing and the mic that you do that makes me i literally like want to punch myself in the face whenever you do this but hey this is leaning into wdmr kind of talk and that's our that's our topical show when daniel met rich this is excitement where we talk about the nerdy things why because when we talked about nerdy things on when daniel met rich people told us to stop they said they said daniel we like when you talk about putting your junk on a drum pad in front of 20 plus people because you're trying to impress them and play a drum solo around your junk. But what we don't like is when you talk about Avengers 
and when you talk about Star Wars and when you talk about video games. So yeah. that's why you have to go over there and you can see our new topical episodes about death and depression and COVID, the pandemic. And the world being on fire. <laughs> Black Lives Matter. <laughs> the world's on fire, Black Lives Matter. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. But hey, what did you watch recently? What have you what have you watched? Oh, I've been watching so many things. Tell. Tell everyone. The first big one is that I have now completed my third run through of the entirety of Avatar The Last Airbender. The third? I've watched the entire series three times over. Since starting watching it the first time recently. Since I started watching it the first time. Wow. When I mentioned it on the last record, I was like, hey, you know what? I'm I just started Avatar The Last Airbender and it's that's kind of good. I want to see where it goes. Right. I've now watched it three total times. Uh, is Cora included in this or just the first one? No, no. Cora is not included in this. I did watch the first season of Legend of Cora, and I was like, well, this is basically useless. <laughs> I I want more Airbender stuff. Yeah. I I'm tired of Cora. Cora mm-hmm. is irritating as shit. Cora gets and it's better. Just hurt. Cora it's gets better. Just hurt. But I mean, there is that that um that awesome like factor of like they do. What I like about Avatar: The Last Airbender to Korra is that they establish that this is a very different show, whereas opposed to they could have done it all again in a steampunk timeline. And this is probably, right. I mean, it's easily my favorite part of the show is when they they uh, uh, they set up a new tribe of elders and they're like, oh, there's apparently like a new avatar in the water tribe. And then they go to the water tribe and they're like, well, we need to find her and teach her the ways. And then she busts through the wall airbending, starts shooting fire. She's like two years old and she's clearly mastered everything <laughs> as opposed to Avatar yeah. where the whole series is him learning to bend the new things and Korra just has the ego of a maniac from the get-go yeah. that's like it's so liking but also so not liking in the weird way right but i i think I, that was what drew me to last airbender is that he was the hero in spite of himself that the anti the the not the anti-hero, but the... Sorry. No, not an anti-hero. He was uh, a hero in spite of himself. He reluctant. Want... Yes, very reluctant. Mm-hmm. Whereas Korra's like, bring on the heroics. Yes. And everybody's like, you know, we're kind of cool. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, you can tone it down yeah. a lot. Yeah. And she's like, no, I am the Avatar. And they're like, calm your tits, honey. It's okay. The world's mm-hmm. not in peril right now. Mm-hmm. So, I... I think that's what turned me off to Korra is the the aura or the ego that she's putting out there. Mm-hmm. Aang was more about fun. Yes. Nobody seems to be having fun in this. Uh, they will. I mean, it, it comes with time, and that's kind of like I guess that's the more difficult aspect of it is that like Korra grew with its audience. You know. Okay. Um, and granted, tons of adults like Avatar. Clearly, do you feel like you missed out? Like you should have watched it much sooner than you did. Mm. no regrets not, not really too I many mean, shows to watch there's there's too many shows to watch and it's not like the fandom for avatar has died down even a little bit like mm-hmm. there's still plenty of activity on last airbender subreddits and yes. things of that nature so i mean it's still 
it may not be as relevant as it was at the time, but it's still relevant enough that I don't feel like I'm missing out. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I dig that. I've also been catching up on another show that I've kind of missed the boat on, but I'm circling back before, around. Before you change is... subjects, before you change subjects, really quick. Okay. Okay. Do you know Do you know Netflix is actively making I had heard, a live action airbender. I had heard. Um, I, I, I'm, hmm, I'm ambivalent towards it. Okay. Mainly because I did see the last airbender movie that by M night Shyamalan. Mm-hmm. And when I had no idea about last airbender, I didn't mind that movie. Yes. I was entertained by it. It wasn't necessarily a bad movie. So, not knowing anything about Avatar The Last Airbender, I was like, okay, this is this is fine. You know, it's not bad. It's not great, but it's not bad. Right. And then I saw and then I saw the show and I'm like, oh my god, this show is amazing. Uh-huh. And I haven't gone back to watch a live action movie. Because everyone that was that I knew that was a fan uh-huh. of the cartoon hated the live action movie. They did. For good reason. Right. So, and I understand that there is good reason there. I, which is why I have no impulse to go back and watch it now. Right, and Does that makes sense. Yeah, totally. And I mean, but uh, here's something that, like, and you you probably won't remember this about the film and what I remember watching it. And you already said this, Aang, super fun. He's mm-hmm. fun. He's funny. Yeah. He's a big. He's yeah. he's like you and me, a big ADHD dork, and people like save the world. And he's like, but I'm an airbender and I want to fly. Like, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't care. Uh, if you go back and watch a movie, the kid they picked for Aang, n- n- no fun. He is yeah. dull as a board. Yeah, it, he's serious as a heart attack. Super serious. So it's like it's. Yeah, it really wasn't. He was not likable the whole time. It's like, oh, there's this kid, and he's he he kind of is like an LOL kid, but at the same time, like he rarely jokes. He just gets upset all the time, and it did not nail Aang as a character. If you can't nail your main character, I think that was their biggest mistake in the movie was yeah. not nailing Aang's character. So yeah, that that one went right right in the trash for me. I wanted two hours back. I wanted M yeah. Night Shyamalan and to come to my house. And do chores for two yes, hours to yes. make up that time in your life. Yes, I know the feeling. Mm-hmm. What 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 yeah. were you getting around to earlier before I wanted to keep going about Avatar? Um. Well, and I may perhaps moved on too soon because in Legend of Korra, I just finished the. Uh, I don't, have you seen all of Legend of Korra? Yes. I'm like midway through season two. I just finished the episode okay. where. Uh, um, she learned about the first Avatar. Yes. And I, I did enjoy that. I yes. enjoyed that quite a bit. So I kind of like what they're doing with the spirit war mm-hmm. type thing. So, and I really like the world. I like the yeah. steampunk world uh-huh. that has bending in it. And, and they add the CGI elements too. Yeah. It looks really sharp. Uh-huh. I just dislike Korra. Okay. The show grows and she grows. You know what I mean? That's that's kind of the point. It's always a hero's journey. I right. I think I think you'll end up enjoying it just fine because all all three. I think it was three seasons they did of Korra, and it was. I believe so. Mm-hmm. It was all very very good. I thought. Um, 
and it, it grows with time, but it also, like, the stakes get a lot more serious than they do in Avatar, as opposed to, like, oh, there's a big Darth Vader guy we have to fight at the end. Like, this is more more of, like, what is going on with the world. It's very topical to today um, in okay. terms of the fact that, like, maybe this steampunk stuff is not a good idea. <laughs> maybe the world doesn't like how fast we're advancing. Maybe we're going too fast for it, so... Right, I think it. I think it balances out quite well towards the end. But I do think the first season was a little hard. The blood bending aspect was really clever. Yeah. Yes. I dug that. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I don't really dislike the show. I just dislike Cora. Yes. She irritates the shit out of me. Cora, girl, the fuck and, up. Well, no, it's like Cora, calm the fuck down. She's just very, very, very abrasive mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to me. Okay. Anyway. So it's like, I don't, I, you know, she can grow up, but if she grows up into an adult on the same path that she's on, mm-hmm. I'd be fine with us getting an Earth avatar. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> I would be fine just cycling on. <clears throat> it's fine. What's next? Yeah, anyway. So the other one that I came to late and have been catching up on is Community. Yes. And I love this show. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I it's it's an amazing show. Um, I'm about midway through season four. I'm not sure how many seasons there are in it. I think it's just four seasons. Um, there's I think they got this. They got a sixth season. It was on Hulu. They did get a sixth season. It, okay. No, not Hulu. Sorry, Yahoo. Oh yeah, Yahoo bought it. Yahoo bought right. Community. Um, they're pushing for a movie now because you know six seasons in a movie. Of course, six seasons. In a um, movie. But they're finally talking about the movie, so that's good. Okay. After they did a they did a table read for charity um, for the pandemic, the whole cast, which was it was a really funny because they also had a conversation afterwards where they were like, "Yeah, and we're all on the group text, like joking." And Donald Glover is like, "There's a group text." <laughs> 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 and they're like, we assumed you were too busy, Donald Glover, Childish Gambino. Like, <laughs> yes. Involved in fucking everything, training to be the prowler for the next fucking. Yes. Yes. For the next fucking Spider Man movie. <laughs> Sorry, Lando oh. Calrissian. <laughs> Dude's busy. Yeah. But um, I'm about midway through season four. Uh, it's It's spectacular. I see. Dan Harmon's influence in Rick and Morty mm-hmm. starting here. Like I can, I can see where his voice is in Rick and Morty because of what I see on community, if that makes sense. Right. And I think the cleverest thing about community as a show is that, uh, it's one of those things where like, how can you make a community college interesting? How can you, how can you make, uh, uh, the dynamic of that, you know, um, not weird, and as opposed to where it's, I think it's a lot easier to sell something like Rick and Morty, where you're like, it's like Back to the Future, but everything goes wrong, and it's like if if Doc learned to do parallel uh, universe uh, uh, travel as opposed to just like time travel, and how bad would right. that go? Well, let's be honest, Marty would probably die about a million times, and. Uh, for them to do community and make that interesting, I think the fact that it exists and is as good as it is is very much a success in its own. 
with um, right. the seasonal paintball episodes. Um, there's, there's, I can't say much more because there's like, there's, there's things that happen up through season five that are just like phenomenal, like really good. Where they do these like make believe episodes for fun because uh, Troy and Abed are literal children. But things like, did they do the, did they do the um, Pillow Fort Civil War yet? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm at the heroic origins episode. Uh, yep, yep, yep. That's a good one too. Where Abed is following the threads of the inevitability of the study group. Yes. Um, but the, the and they were when I turned it off, they were discussing who's the villain. Did you the get? Cre- Sorry, go ahead. The, did I get what? I was just curious. Did you get to see the Dungeons and Dragons episode before they pulled it? I haven't seen that one. Oh, no. boy. Okay. I think it's season four anyway. You might have to go on a hunt. They just got rid of the Dungeons & Dragons episode. They did have a Dungeons & Dragons episode. But Ken Jeong shows up as a drow, but he's black-faced as a drow. Oh. And it probably would have been safe if not for the fact that um, – um, The world's on fire and Black Lives Matter? Basically. No, she made a joke. Yvette Nicole Brown? Yeah. She she her character makes the joke on the show where she's like really, like are you, are you seriously coming to this blackface right now? And he's like, what? I'm a drow. Like, and it's Ken Jong being Ken Jong, but they uh, apparently are removing it because because they're blackfacing. So right, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of rubbing happening for which mm-hmm. I get it, but at the same time. I don't, yeah, because it's like these are things that have happened, mm-hmm. and it's let's let's instead of removing it to not have the reminder, let's keep it. Yes, to as a as a hmm, warning to future to yeah. the future. You yeah, know, like let's not go back to this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I get it, but I at the same time, it's like yeah, all right. Okay. So. Everyone um, watch Community. It's old, but it's good. So it's good. Very good. It's excellent. It it holds up perfectly. Mm-hmm. They do rip a lot on Glee, which is yeah, they do. pretty funny. Yes. And it's that aspect of the show is getting more dated as time goes on. But uh, they, they rip on Glee quite a bit. And have you heard about Glee recently? The recent thing with Glee. Oh, some, uh, yeah. Um, they, One of the actresses that played a regular character on there yeah. has vanished. Yeah, probably drowned in a lake, unfortunately. Probably. Probably. It's one of those things. Another one was exposed in a child pornography um, ring, too. So, like, it's, yeah. it's, Glee has a really, really bad reputation for the things, for the things that followed it. So, like, it, yeah, yeah between. Other... <laughs> I don't think anybody from it has really gone on to major success aside from the gay kid who is now an author of children's books yep of children's books um, um he's no uh uh i know who you're talking about it's been so long since i watched glee but yeah he's um there is the one guy who's who's now a, a famous um children's novel uh author and then um but everyone else just has either like been deemed an asshole or uh, uh faded out of recognition 
Well, except for the one kid who really, really, really nailed his Whitney Houston impression. Chris Colfer. What? Was not that one. Um, Darren Chris, Blaine Anderson. Yes. Okay, but also we can't forget Jane Lynch, who is Sue Sylvester. Yeah. You guys watched Glee back in the day, right? Well, Jane Lynch had a. That was not her. Uh, that was not her defining role. I would say. Mm-hmm. I I would put her more as the as the electronic store supervisor from the Forty Year Old Virgin. I'd say that one was the one that built her more than Glee did, but but that's me. Yes. Um, so but that's the only thing dating community. So yeah, you're I, not wrong. You know, it was right next um, to community. Right. Um, the wife and I have been rewatching Black Mirror. Ha! <laughs> they fell. I knew that was going to happen. That was chaos. Just mm-hmm. waiting. Anyway. Rewatching Black Mirror. Uh, rewatching Black Mirror because she had never seen it, and I was like, "You might like it. Let's give it a shot." And it was there was a few episodes that I watched with her, and then there was a few episodes that I started with her, and then I went to work and let her finish them. Okay. So there was quite a few episodes that she finished on her own, mm-hmm. but we we've watched them together and now we're going back and watching the full episodes together because she wanted to see these episodes again. Mm-hmm. The, the show's amazing. It, it, yeah, it is nonstop. It, and I mean, infinitely rewatchable. There's nothing dating these no shows. Well, it helps that it takes place in, you know, like free futuristic scenarios. Right. Well, mm-hmm. it, it shows the level of how far the technology can go based on what it would do to us mm-hmm. kind of thing, I would say. Mm-hmm. So, um, some of her favorites are uh, Shut Up and Dance. Yes. We've watched that one a couple times. Um, and that one gets darker and darker the more you watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I could not finish Playtest with her. But she says that was among her favorites. And Playtest uh, is good. Yeah, Playtest messed me up big time. Because <laughs> it's like it's... I, I, I turned that off and I sat there and wept for like ten minutes. If Inception, because it just hit me so freaking hard. If Inception was a horror, basically, Play uh, Playtest yeah. is one of my favorites. I think my absolute favorite is White Christmas. White Christmas is definitely up there for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one with uh, uh, Donald Draper. Yeah. Whatever his name is. I'm, I I just woke John up from a nap. Thank you. Yeah. I'm not. <laughs> I, really want him, I really want him to do a morning show with Kevin Bacon entitled Enjoy Your Breakfast with Ham and Bacon. Truth. That would be fair. I, I want that to happen. Well, I don't know em. if it ever will. Tweet him. I have. Are they doing anything? anything right now? Kevin I mean, pandemic-wise? did a recent Bloomhouse movie. Ooh, yeah, he did. Called You Should Have Left. I'd need to watch that. I heard it was good. That movie will mess you up. I mean, any Bloomhouse movie, it, they're just like batting a thousand lately. They really are, yeah. Just everything is... I mean, even, even Fantasy Island wasn't spectacular, but it wasn't bad. Sure. It was not by any means a bad movie yeah and yeah just 
if you're wanting to watch a movie that's good, mm-hmm. just check out anything Bloomhouse has put out in the last five years. Right. They're just firing on all cylinders. The Hunt was excellent. Yes. Invisible Man was just stellar. Yes. If we, uh, you should if, have left it really good. If we, um, here's one of the craziest things. If we tweet Kevin Bacon and John Hamm and get them to do Enjoy Your Breakfast with Bacon and Ham, we would be introduced into the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon game. Do you realize that? I did tweet them. Okay. I don't know. I don't know if the tweet went through. I'll, I haven't seen anything. I'll it. push on it too. I'll push on it too and see if we can't get them to 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 uh, maybe do at least one. Do one of them just for us. They should, you know, a podcast being like, well, this would be a good podcast. You know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm fairly certain they've had no interaction together. Right, which would make it a little bit different. You know, it's not as seamless as when Daniel met Rich, where you and I click. Right. We don't know that they could. For all we know, they hate each other. Right. You know what I mean? They could be competing for the same roles. They I don't could know. Be. They could be, for all we know. But I digress. That would no. That would be yeah. good. What else are you watching? Yeah. Um. The wife and I just finished the full run of a show called Humans. What is that? What is that about? Haven't watched it. Humans Haven't... is on Amazon. Mm-hmm. I think it was a sci-fi show. Okay. I think it was on the Sci-Fi Network. It's definitely science fiction. Yeah. Humans is a show about a not too distant future where we have perfected synthetic humanoids or synths Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and basically they have become the slave race okay so any menial job there's a synth doing it you go to the grocery store there's a synth behind the counter okay you have the Upper class families have synths in their homes doing the laundry, doing the cooking, all the. It's basically a allegory to slavery. Okay. And the creator of these synths created five that actually can replicate human emotions. So they actually have emotions. Oh. And can do things beyond regular slave stuff now these five it's really 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 well done but these five have the five basic emotions that all things stem from yeah like there's one that is embodying love there's one that is embodying anger there's one that is embodying fear mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they can they can act with all the full range of emotion mm-hmm. but the true deciding factor of their uh all of their actions yes is based in that one core emotion okay so these five have emotions and they're trying to make it in a world where synths are not expected to have emotions and in fact if they did have emotions it would have really large implications on the human race okay and so that's what's happening it's basically like if the movie ai artificial intelligence 
were a show that made sense. Yeah. As opposed to a trippy freaking movie that most people were like, huh? Yeah. So it was a very well done show. Um, they f- had three seasons of it. They had the perfect cliffhanger for the fourth season and then canceled it. Oh. So damn. when we finished the show, we were like, that's the scary part about starting shows now is that they get canceled you're like what did i just invest my time in you know and it's like for me i'm afraid to start a show until i'm for certain that like i won't watch i'll do my best not to watch a first season unless it's an incredibly compelling show like i'll do my best not to watch it if i know i'm like if it's not getting continued because i don't want to watch a cliffhanger story you know well and that's kind of the kicker to any of these shows because it's a catch 22. If you don't watch it, mm-hmm. it's going to get canceled. Yes. If it doesn't get the viewership that it needs to make back the money, it's going to get canceled. Yeah. Even if it's really good. Mm-hmm. But then they try to recoup their losses by putting it on these streaming platforms. So then people find these really good shows knowing that it's canceled. Yeah. And it's like, had I known it would be this good when it was on, I would have watched it and maybe it wouldn't yes. got canceled. So just give everything a fucking chance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Give it a shot. If you're into it, keep going with it. If you're Jeez. not into it, please, for the <clears throat> love of God, if you're not into it, turn it off. Yeah. Because otherwise, we're going to get 10 seasons of Big Bang Theory. Yeah, right? Truth. Because that's what your grandparents are watching, trying to connect with you. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones that still have Nielsen boxes. Truth. So... Actually, if you're into a show, you start it, you think it's really good, you want it to continue, tell your grandparents about it. Yeah, that's tell a good your idea, too. About- that's a great idea. What, what else you watch, Mr. Uh, well, the Schmuck. one that we just recently started watching the show is a show called NOS4A2, which is a license plate number, but if you pronounce it, it's Nosferatu. Nosferatu. Like the vampire. Like the vampire. It's a different twist on a vampire story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We are about mm, three episodes in at this point. It's on Hulu. Mm-hmm. It's, it's good enough to keep me vested. I'm really curious where they're going with this because it's a trippy story. It's Did just... You... Did it get? Uh, do you know if it got um, a second season order? I know nothing about it other than, hey, this was suggested to you by Hulu. And I was like, hey, there's an attractive person. My wife might be into this. Yeah. Uh, I need to quit saying that because it really, really angers her. Okay, fair enough. Um, Where's the freaking... I can't... Nosferatu show. It's annoying because like you have to type it in. Um... And not do that. Did NOS four A two. Wikipedia. Here we go. Season two did get ordered. Yeah, last aired August twenty third, twenty twenty. It hasn't started yet. First aired June twenty first. Oh, okay. So they filmed the second season. There is a second season that's about to premiere and start. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I know nothing about the age of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that Zachary Kinto's in it as the bad guy. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Which is spectacular because yes, he is an amazing bad guy. I didn't really dig him as Spock. I didn't dislike him as Spock, but mm-hmm. I didn't really dig him as Spock. I really dug him in Heroes. Heroes, Asylum, he yeah. Was the... 
No, he's got the so chops anytime. for acting, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. When he was in the... One of my favorite seasons of American Horror Story, he was the villain. Yes. He, he plays an excellent villain. Yes, he, he does. He's an excellent actor all mm-hmm. around. And considering Nosferatu is basically carried by um, the villain, you know, in respect, the history of the villain and what what um, he's done in the past, it's very, like, it. I couldn't – I think he's a great choice for that. Yeah. So I watched the first episode. Yeah. Um, it, it differed from the book so much that I was just like, I wasn't really dying to watch an extra episode. Also, it wasn't on Hulu yet. So I was watching via, um, Shudder, a free trial on Shudder. Um, but it was like, you have to subscribe to get the rest of the episodes. And I was like, I'm going to forget about this in a week. And then you're going to charge me seven bucks a month until I remember to cancel. I didn't feel like the hassle. So, um, I, I watched the first episode and I was like, eh, Okay. The, the book's really good. When I started reading some episode synopsises, I was like, wow, they're taking a hard right with the story where it still has elements. But I did listen to the to the audiobook. Uh, do you know Stephen King's son wrote Nosferatu? I did not. It uh, It's by Joe Hill. So, uh, okay. Joel Hill is, is Stephen King's son. He takes the the um, the author named Joe Hill. So people, it, it, Hill is his middle name. So uh, he doesn't take credit for being a king. So he's not like Joe King. People are like, oh, it's just Sean. So we should buy oh, books. Yeah, he's not capitalizing on the nepotism. Exactly. He wants to be separate, but he still writes so much like his dad. They incorporate um, so many elements from each other's books into them. So um, as you watch, you're going to start to see. Um, okay. Was there was there a, a a Marauders map in the glove box in the show? Uh, yeah, kind of. Okay. Uh, they, it, they kind of. It's he pulled a map out of the glove box mm-hmm. and looked at it, and uh, things appeared, but it didn't have like people or anything, so it wasn't really a Marauders map. It was. It didn't show where specific people sure. were. Sure. But. Um. It, cool shit showed up. Yeah, basically, it did have the whole. Um, they they mentioned Pennywise. Um, Pennywise is like marked on that map in the book. That makes sense. Okay, because yep. there was stuff on the map that it was like this is the Dairy Main, the, the pipe of Pennywise, and yes. yeah, yes. Okay, so, so those things make sense. Uh huh. Because I was like, oh, we're referencing uh, Stephen King works here. It's true. And I realized, oh, yeah. Now it makes sense that that reference would be there. Yes. I'm going to take a picture of this because this is stupid cute. Okay. What what else What else are you watching? Shows. Stuff. So, um, I went through and uh, I bit the bullet and got the CBS All Access free trial. Mm-hmm. And went through the entirety of the first season of picard oh not discovery first picard not discovery first Picard. okay um (laughs) discovery i think i had to had to build myself up to that Mm -hmm. because um from my understanding it takes place in the kelvin timeline i could be wrong no i think you're right um my big big issue with the new star trek movies Mm -hmm. is the kelvin timeline Mm -hmm. and i don't necessarily want to see more of that timeline which is the timeline from the jj abrams movies correct 
Right. Yeah. From the new movies, yeah. Yeah. So this is Vulcan is toast. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess Kirk is still out there. Pike is still out there. Mm-hmm. But Vulcan's been destroyed. I don't. Mm, I don't really. Ha- like I said, I don't have a problem with it. I yeah. just don't have any interest in seeing more of that. Right. I want to see. I want to see Star Trek progress. And the more they go back to old characters and older. Mm-hmm. timelines and stuff mm-hmm. it seems like there's a regression yeah i could see now that. if they go way further out to where you know this is where you know klingons romulans borg humanity all this and they are begun they're stretching even further out into the galaxy and mm-hmm. discovering more and more and more like mm-hmm. i would be excited to see a show that takes place say 200 years after the dominion war Whatever that is. Which, for those who aren't aware, in Star Trek Deep Space Nine, there was an overarching plot line that was the Dominion War, where Starfleet had gone into a completely different, vast sector of space and Mm -hmm. discovered that there is one race that has total dominion over the entire quadrant of that galaxy. Cool. So hundreds of planets all swear fealty to this race on this one planet. Uh-huh. And that one planet and that one race only assumed dominion because they didn't want to be threatened. Mm, so they just walk around with a bat named Lucille, planet pretty, to planet. Pretty much, they just sit there and they're like, look, we've got this massive army. We've got this massive armada of ships. We will completely terraform your planet if we have to. But we're not gonna. We're just gonna sit back and chill. But we need to know that you're gonna be chill with us. That's interesting. Hence the armada. Fair enough. Cool. So you watch Picard. So I watched Picard. Did you like it? it I did. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, the ending left me a little. Yeah. But I didn't. I didn't mind it at all. I would have thought that it would be better as just a one season kind of epilogue mm-hmm. for Picard. Mm-hmm. Um, the, sh- the show launches pretty much right from the end of Nemesis, the last uh, yes, yep. the last Star Trek movie that involved <clears throat> any of the Next Generation cast. Yes. So it seems to launch straight from there. Yes. And deals with the repercussions to Picard from the events of that movie. Right, because Picard had to make some seriously big decisions. Well, not only were there massive decisions there, but there were massive repercussions. Mm-hmm. Like, Data died at right. the end of Nemesis. The popular... Spoilers for Nemesis. Yeah, spoilers for a decade-plus-old movie. Yeah. But uh, Data was a popular android who was becoming increasingly human. Not just that, but he... He sacrificed his own existence to save Picard. Mm-hmm. The only reason Data is dead is because he wanted Picard to survive. Yes. And so he took action that saved Picard. Yes. That is the only crew member on for Picard for the entirety of Jean-Luc Picard's career mm-hmm. in Starfleet. That is the only crew member 
that ever directly sacrificed themselves specifically for him. Oh, so they, they were able to open up Picard with, like, a, a literal game changer in terms of its ramifications. Yeah. Picard's okay. got some ghosts going on because of this. Mm-hmm. And he's it's something that he has to come to terms with that he has been attempting to pretty much ever since mm-hmm. Data died. So, and that's, that's the overarching thing of this show. And how'd you like it? Is it good? Is it everything you wanted it to be as like a Star Trek fan? As a Star Trek fan, it's excellent. As a fan of Next Generation specifically, it's great. It is so freaking stellar. But the ending, the end of the series, or the end of season one, yeah, definitely opened it up for more seasons. Mm-hmm. In a way that I was just kind of like, okay, we're going to do this. We could have done this differently, couldn't we? But I get it. It's a way to keep Patrick Stewart involved. Yes. Keep Patrick Stewart in Star Trek. Yes. And so. It's nostalgia. Yeah. As long as they're doing it effectively, unlike some other space-oriented science fiction franchises we know, where they're, they're doing it right, where they're incorporating characters that we like in um in a fashion that doesn't just shit all over what's established um or just repeating itself which it sounds like this is clearly like a a, like you know and from what i've heard about picard is that they do take it in a super you know legitimate direction because picard is no longer the the commander of a a space fleet correct no, he is That's, out of Starfleet yeah, entirely. Yeah, he's, he's completely out of Starfleet, and that means he's kind of like a rogue agent. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, uh, it's That's enough for me. Taken, <laughs> it's pretty much turned Jean-Luc Picard into Malcolm Reynolds. Okay. Which I'm okay with, but not. It's a, diffi- it's a difficult feeling okay. to really describe. It's... There's feelings there that are kind of like, but you suggest those who like Star Trek. But yes, definitely watch it. Okay. If you're into Star Trek at all, check out Picard. Even if you're not really into Star Trek, the show, but you dug the movies, check it out. What else? What else did you watch? And go fast because we're we're taking a while. Yeah. Um, Movies. I watched. um, You should have left. Mm -hmm. Like I said, Blue House movie with Kevin Bacon. And uh, what's her name? I can't remember her name now. Anyway. Amanda Seyfried. It was really good. It was a little, yes, Amanda mm-hmm. Seyfried. That was very good. Um, my wife didn't understand it mm-hmm. by the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was I thought it was cool. I thought it was trippy. I thought it was a, it was more of a purgatory storyline. Okay. So, if that makes any sense to anyone, I recommend it. Uh, Kevin Bacon is always great, in whatever he's in, and this is no exception. Um, I've been watching a lot of Knives Out. I'll repeat. Like that I watched the movie, and then I watched it again, and then I watched it again, mm-hmm. because I really enjoy a good whodunit story. Mm-hmm. Let and alone. the cast on that is spectacular. Yes, it is. Very, very good. You know they greenlit a sequel already, right? 
that doesn't surprise me. Ryan Johnson hit the Twitter and he said, "What what should we call uh, uh, Knives Out too?" <laughs> and just people, a bunch of people were like, "Guns Out!" Like, <laughs> Guns Out! Yo, yeah, that's the obvious. Clearly, choice. yeah, basically. But I digress. What else? Or knife to a gunfight? I don't know. Um, well, and then uh, just super recently, mm-hmm. I started watching Watchmen. Oh yeah, that's we did. We we, we did. did. You did, and then I happened to be there too because we we found a pretty cool app called Scener that let us watch it at the same time. Because this is something we've been waiting to do is to like watch it in in its full entirety together. Because the inception of this podcast, uh, at the inception of the podcast, you lent me the Watchmen graphic novel to be able to connect to the movie because we were talking DC Comics and then I was like, Watchmen, I couldn't finish it. And you're like, the comic book, the graphic novel's better, have this. And then I read it and it was like, whoa. And and then I watched and then that helped me finish the movie and I was like, whoa. And then we naturally were not watching Watchmen without each other. Yes. So when people ask, who watches The Watchmen? We do. Yeah, we do. The first episode of that was really, really good, uh, clearly. But yeah. uh, produced and written by Damon Lindelof, who, um, despite botching the shit out of Lost, has still made a lot of good shit since. So, oh, yeah. Um, and yeah. granted, I don't I don't think Lost's failure is, is entirely his fault, and I don't really want to uh, get, get stuck on that in a way that's ever bad. But he gave us Bates Motel. Yeah, you know he also blew up Vulcan. He yeah he did blow up Vulcan. That was also him. He does a lot. Of, man, God, Damon Lindelof is like everywhere. People do not. I don't he think fucks take a lot of shit account. up. He does. <laughs> he does. Well, at least yeah, the Watchmen is like a sequel, and it's not like a redo. You know what I mean? So right because it is a sequel series. I, I I loved that first episode. I've done nothing but want to watch Watchmen since since we started. I I I came this close to asking if I could just keep watching it. And I was like, no, because I don't, I don't want to watch it. And then be like, did you see this? And then you're like, eh, not really. <laughs> I don't want to do it without you. So, wow, well, I was about to do the same thing. Just be like, dude, I'm watching the next episode. Go ahead, we'll right? Discuss, right? <laughs> Easy peasy. Is but, this a, is, uh, is this a transition to what I watched, or? Yes, this is a transition. Okay. All right, because that wraps up my watch list pretty much. Right. I don't know. At this rate, uh, we might we might just do an hour and a half. Uh, television media episode again and then just do another hour and a half um games because we're already 45 minutes in 48 minutes hey, in. all right yeah so uh it depends we could do whatever it doesn't matter really uh i don't know if i mentioned this in the last podcast but i did watch the boys um yeah. they announced season two uh coming out in the first uh, week of september and that pumps me up um yeah. I feel like I mentioned that I watched Westworld Season 3, which was also amazing. I just want to make sure that I'm not leaving these off of, of the list because I don't remember what I mentioned in our like return, our three-hour return episode. That was purely right. movies, television, and uh, cats. Yeah. Perfect cue because my cats were literally tussling over there. Uh, so since then, I have watched The Witcher in its entirety. As someone I who started that, yeah, as someone who couldn't play the game, um, it, it, I love the show. The show's actually really, really good. Um, Henry Henry Cavill is like a perfect uh, Gerald of Rivia. All right. Um, in the way that like I don't think he's he's definitely got that 
I'm a brooding guy demeanor type, but he doesn't talk in incomplete sentences the entirety of the show. So I'm not like gouging my eyes out, praying to God that he can say a full sentence. Like when I'm playing the Witcher three, which I put a solid, like probably like eight to 10 hours into trying to get into that. Um, the show makes me want to play the game again, but I just, I have to, I have to basically get up the, the, I don't want to say the courage to start it. Cause I'm not like afraid to play it. I have to build up the, the resilience to really give myself to Witcher because it sounds like that's really what it takes is a serious amount of investment to get into the Witcher the way it needs to be yeah. played at least. So, um, watch the Witcher in, in its entirety. Um, I'm just going to say this straight up. Okay, Henry Cavill has the ass of a god. Okay. I'm just going to say he gets in the tight leather pants and I'm like I'm I enjoy that ass. I'm not gay. I don't want to fuck it, but that ass is like chef's kiss. Like and I'm like I would be willing to watch this show just to see Henry, Henry Cavill's magnificent ass in leather purely on its own. See, we're flashing back to when we covered Man of Steel, because I said then, after Man of Steel, there are two types of people in this world. Those who freely admit they would fuck Henry Cavill and liars. Yes. Truth. Very truth. So, um, and that's the thing. Like, do I want to fuck it? No. If I met Henry Cavill at a bar and he hit on me, yes. <laughs> you, you don't say no to Henry Cavill. You Boy, just you don't. You don't. So, um, but no, it's it's got some really funny moments. What what people might do to dodge it is they're like, oh, great, it's another fantasy show. It's another Lord of the Rings. It's really not. It is so very adult-oriented um, to the point that it, and it, it, it's got a, a funny sense of humor to it where, where Gerald is actually – you find him incredibly likable. He is the reluctant hero. He is an anti-hero because people have treated him like shit for, for so long. And then it's so funny because what really sets the events of the story into motion is him just not giving a shit. And that is probably the best, my favorite part. And you said you started watching it. Did you get to like episode three or four? Um, not yet. Okay. I think we got through episode one and because the wife and I are consistently on a quest to find a show we can watch together. Okay. That we'll both equally enjoy. Mm-hmm. I think I think The Witcher would confuse the absolute shit out of out of your wife because it's confusing. The timelines don't line up, and I understand why. It's because um, these characters are on completely different timelines. They some they're like they all have stories that occur. Um, there's three main characters, and um, Geralt's occurs kind of in the middle of the timeline. Yennefer has a, a a sorceress has a a storyline that uh, occurs much before his in the timeline and then um siri has a timeline that occurs at the very end of where everything begins right. so they really tell it out of order but that's because there's no way to do it without having like okay this is one yennefer episode this is one gerald episode and then you don't get to see gerald's ass once an episode and then people won't watch the episode because henry cavill's ass is not in the episode right and that becomes a problem so uh was it confusing yes are they doing it next season no they're gonna be very straightforward with the story from now on so but they set it up perfectly for it to be easy for them to do that um the timelines uh uh, collide at the end of the season so so by the end of the show there can there can be a 
one one character specific episode that's going to it's going to tie everything in it's, so even if it even if it's focused on one character it's still all three the entirety of the first season is a prologue leading into the main right. story is it any less interesting no it's it's very very good <laughs> all the it's stories fellowship. it's fellowship yeah, of the ring exactly it's lots of of creature action it's lots of um, monster fighting. One episode was like early supernatural scary. It was like okay. terrifyingly scary. He fights he fights a monster in an old abandoned castle that was born of a curse, and he he goes to great lengths to save it because it's actually a human being that was cursed um, by it was born from incest and is a great lord and was cursed. So the child came out as a monster. And and um, did the the likable thing about Jell is that he does things for people. He's still, despite the fact that the way he's treated, he does things to help people because he knows it's right, and that's what makes you like him. Other than like he does nice things, and then you get to see Henry Cavill's ass. That's The Witcher, essentially. So, and then the humor. Um, I just wish I could watch it with you because at one point there's there's one point in the episode that I just can't like I can't tell you because it's so funny. But in the episode that sets everything into motion, I know for a fact you're going to laugh out loud, like, hard. Okay. Because I will it, let you know when this has happened, and yeah. you'll be like, that's it. Yes. Or you'll be like, that's not it, just wait. No, you'll know when it happens. I think I think it's okay. very, very straightforward when it when it sets things into motion, because it's when it's the, the episode that brings Geralt's relevance into series life into play. And you will know exactly when that happens. And okay. it's funny because it's a mistake. It's an accident. And he's just like, okay. well, let me do this. And he goes around, and he's, and he's like, okay. <laughs> he puts up his okay. hands, and he slow walks out of the room. Um, that's how funny Once it I is. Once I finish Community, this is what I'm going to be watching. Good, 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 good. I need to get off The Witcher. We, uh, we finished Workaholics. Excellent. Workaholics is really good. <laughs> like, Yeah, it is. Season six, did you watch it? its entirety or I, I have watched it sporadically okay which means i've seen maybe two episodes mm-hmm. of the second season possibly a couple of the third okay maybe one of the fourth okay season six is the best season oddly enough um season six is like peak workaholics because they just go nuts all season and I, I think my favorite episode it's just antics right but they're they're mm-hmm. always funny and it, in one episode, they're trying to get a new sport in the X Games, and it's like uh, freestyle stomach rollerblading. And they they take one of the guys, Adam, of course, uh, Demamp. He's in um, Adam Devine is his real name in this show. They play themselves, but they have slightly altered names. And he gets like rollerblades, and he's on them, and he's rolling, and he takes them off of a speed bump. And he collides with the back end of the car or something. He collides with something super hard. And then they don't go to the – like I think he goes to the hospital, but he gets a concussion. And then they're at work the next day, and and they're they're like talking to each other. The two other guys are talking to each other, and they're like, should we take him to a hospital? Because he's, he's like really bad. Like he's got severe memory loss. He can't he, – he's got nausea, and he's got like short-term memory. Like these are all pretty bad, and, and, and they're just – well, he wouldn't let us take us if we, if we tried to anyway, so – it cuts to him, and he's just kind of like he's like I kind of forgot what, like what we're doing here. Oh, I don't feel so good. And he leans over and he pukes. He's like, oh, he's like, that was gross. 
And he's like, why are we here? Oh, someone puked there. Who puked there? Tell me. <laughs> just in, in one line, he goes through all of these motions. And I'm like, it's, it makes you laugh super hard. Um, and they do the dumbest shit. But, like, this is one of those comedies that makes me laugh so hard I cry. Nice. When they do things. Um, Sarah loved it, too, which is very telling of it. Because it's a comedy about dumb stoner dudes. Yeah. So, um, uh, what's more? What am I looking at? Okay, American Horse. I think we both, I think we both finished what we do in the shadows. Well, we did. We discussed that. S- season two. Well, we talked about it last episode. I almost feel like we okay. shouldn't talk about what we do in the shadows. Be- okay. Because because of how much we love that show, and I think we've said it before. So yeah, season two ended. We both finished what we do in the shadows. Season two. Um, in case anyone doesn't know, this is the best television show that you can watch right now the best thing on hulu this is the best thing on cable television this is the best thing you can potentially get on blu-ray one day i know i'm gonna buy it i need i need extra i need special features of what we do in the shadows so um for anyone who doesn't know this is a show about um old vampires in modern day tellings and i just i don't know what to say other than i mean and this is Stop what i combined with the office exactly and that's what i told uh that's what i told i got one of my friends into it and i was like i told him like once a week to watch it every time we saw each other we would talk about shows and i'm like did you start what we do in the shadows he's like i don't know he's like second week i was like what we do in the shadows man he's like yeah i don't know third week i was like the office friends what we do in the shadows not in that order but like 2000s 90s current day in that order i said if these were the comedies of the decade i can tell you what we do in the shadows is the new staple of comedy in our decade because of how flawless it is he says okay he says okay and then next week he comes in he's like yep i watched all of it (laughs) you weren't joking he's like you weren't kidding about what we do in the shadows and i was like boom there you go (laughs) He's like, he's like, thank you so much. I'm gonna go watch a movie because I need more of what we do in the shadows. And I was like, there you go. So it was <laughs> that should sell it for anyone, in all honesty, that hasn't watched it yet. Furthermore, um, let's see what we got here. Yeah, I should have made my wife watch the movie before the show because she absolutely hated the show. She was not in on board at all. Okay, American Horror Story, 1984. How is it? Very good. It is, like, the best season in, like, the last... I think it's, like, the ninth season of American Horror Story. This is easily the best season in several seasons. Didn't like Colt very much. Didn't like Apocalypse very much. We loved uh, Roanoke. Uh, we thought Roanoke was really good. Um, Roanoke, whatever. Roanoke. Um, and we really liked uh, the Roanoke one because of its um, uh, drama show on on TLC on lifetime um factor and then it went to a reality show where they're all dying in the same house which we thought that that um it bumped up the horror in the right way American horror story does a really good 1980s feel the best 1980s feel like they nail that that stranger things style nostalgia where like okay. you as opposed to like where I don't know we kept putting off seasons of 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 American Horror Story me and my wife because we were like uh, I hope it's as good as Roanoke and we watched Colt right when it came out and we were like oof like this was not Ugh. Colt really seemed like a hodgepodge of whatever they could do at the time right. um and it was a very large political statement that didn't really land the best 
and then Colt was just incredibly confusing. It wrapped up Murder House and, and Coven, the first and third seasons, and we were like, eh, eh, okay. It's a little dated. It was fun to go to Murder House for an episode, and then that was about it. That's where we were like, eh, okay. It was fun to bring certain people back, whatever. Stevie Nicks was in it again, so we were like, fine. And then we pulled up 19... In 1984, appeared on Hulu, and I was like, sweet. And she's like, well, what is 1984? And I was like, it's like a slasher movie. And, and Sarah, who like slasher movies along with me we're both like okay let's watch it and we ended up binging it in two days it was flawless in my honest opinion it was just enough of american horror story but it was also not um it wasn't contrived it seemed like they were really like focused on having it be very american horror story style but not so abstract that you're just kind of like what is this episode even about what are these new characters that I don't give two shits about? They do a really good job at keeping it central to the main characters. And the twists in it are very, very, very well executed. Someone, The last person you would root for at the beginning of the episode is the person you root for the most by the end. And that's when you know expectations are... Um, well, I don't want to say expectations because fuck anyone's expectations, but where your expectations are um, met in a way that you didn't expect is always satisfying. And okay. basically to break break the mold that way is really like – and if they do it the correct way, that's like, oh my god, let's watch some more of this. I highly recommend 1984. It's, it's my number two season of American Horror Story underneath Roanoke, so – if not first, it might be the first. It was flawless. I'm just saying, I'm, like it's really hard, but it's flawless. I think American see uh, American Horror Story 1984 was flawless. That's all I'm gonna say. Okay. It was more flawless than Roanoke, so maybe it is my number one. Uh, um, I I've been enjoying Ryan Murphy's work in other areas. Like I completely forgot to list it, but I watched Hollywood, his show on uh, Netflix. Oh, heard about that one. Is that good? Yeah, it was. It, that one was pretty good. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of the the lead up to the career of Rock Hudson, mm-hmm. one of the first openly gay actors in Hollywood. Yeah, and so um, it was very well done. It was mm-hmm. very good. Um, mm-hmm. Played a lot with the issues of the time. Yeah, and uh, I enjoyed it. It looks well well produced. Uh, it looks like yeah. it's got good production quality. I almost clicked on it just because I like old era things. It's, it, then you dig it, mm-hmm. like you westerns. It. It, it it's um it kind of discusses old Hollywood. Okay. In a way that um is still kind of relevant, where it's like certain people are holding the keys, like vehicle, like the song "Vehicle" by Ides of March. Okay, I haven't heard it. Okay, it's a good one. It's a it's okay. about um, uh, get into my car, kid. I have candy. I'll make you a star in Hollywood. Okay. Um, it is a fucked up song. It is a groovy, okay. groovy, well, awesome jazz funk thing that I played in high school. The, the more I listen to it, the more I'm like, okay, this is <laughs> this song is woof. Oof, that got dark fast. Yeah. Um, um, it was an allegory, too, because he says, get in my car. He says, I can be your vehicle woman. I'll take you anywhere you want to go. Right. It's an allegory. 
probably lines up perfectly. Shit, vehicle might be playing in the background of Hollywood somewhere. Good, uh, maybe. I don't know. I kind of doubt it. It's very, very dated. It's dated fifties, forties, like two. Okay, yeah. Like post World War Two. Fifties, sixties. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Eyes uh, of March made vehicle in the seventies. I'm pretty sure. So. Oh well, what can you do about it? Um, speaking of of age age shows, I started watching Deadwood on HBO. I've been wanting to get into that because I've just heard excellent things about it. I'm See, not a big fan of westerns, but that's a I guilty like... pleasure of mine. I love westerns. I really do. And I, what? I don't necessarily mind them, but they're mm-hmm. not going to be at the top of my list. Okay. Deadwood is a little a little aged in the way that if you've watched a show like Breaking Bad, Sopranos might not hit the hit the spot, you know. Um luckily there are no better westerns really um currently that are that good that Deadwood feels like something I've seen before but better like th- when I watched The Sopranos. So, uh Deadwood is very, very accurate to its times in the way that it is the rude, crude, wild fucking West. And that's something that okay. you can you can expect. And specifically, uh, Deadwood is a town on the outskirts of the Wild West where the there is no law establishment yet. And in fact, um, people like uh, Marshall from a different town who just wants to set up shop and not really be uh, a Marshall anymore goes to Deadwood wild bill hickok a famous gunman in the west also goes to deadwood because he's getting himself into trouble as well and they're like well we'll just fuck this whole law thing so basically to uh, a marshal and a and, and a um a very famous sheriff go to deadwood um which very much uh irritates the man who is trying to own deadwood through um basically shady dealings who is the tavern owner played by Ian McShane. And his character, it's really cool because he is a main character, but his dealings are so shady, he scares me as a boss. Mm -hmm. Like, he scares me while I watch a show, and I'm like, oh my god, this guy's, like, bad. I'm like, oh god. I'm like, what is he gonna do now? What is he gonna do to that guy? What is he gonna do to that guy? In the way that, like, um, Giancarlo Esposito's role as, um, 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 in Breaking Bad, as the meth kingpin, in that I don't uh, Los Hermanos um, owner. I just forget his name because, like I said, I just woke Gustavo up. Gustavo Fring. Thank you, Gustavo Fring. Um, in that way that he's just kind of like, wow, like he's got a lot of character, and you're interested to see what he does next, and you just hope to God a character you don't like is in the same room as him. Yeah. So um, you'll see. What's always fun is going to an old show and seeing people that you recognize from your current shows. So. Um, you best believe when I saw um, the face of Nick Offerman on a man who uh, at first is heard in the next room screaming his pleasures with a, a, a whore in said whorehouse, bust in the door of the, the Crime Kingpin's room with his full erection in his hand going, Yeehaw, I'm doing great today. These whores are amazing. And he makes and goes, Thank you. Nice. Go ahead and go back to your room. <laughs> <laughs> and Get he leaves and he leaves the room shuts the door behind him and then he leans over and he's like we'll tell him uh that the marshal and uh the sheriff 
uh, not really, that the two ex-lawmen shot his brother in the head uh, in the morning when he's done enjoying himself. Right. <laughs> so uh, it's they're starting to do this thing where, like, some morals come start coming to Deadwood, and that starts the initial clash of what's going on. Um, and shady business dealings, things like that. And so when they see that a man um, uh, tried to hide a girl for whatever reasons, uh, he left her for dead. Um, killed a bunch of people to make it look like Indians did it. Uh, am I allowed to say Indians anymore? Native Americans. Um, he, he makes it look like Native Americans said uh, did it left the girl there they find out that he left the girl there because being ex-lawmen they catch on to this guy being a liar immediately they go they find the girl and then the guy tries to jump town and they're like you clearly did this because you're a piece of shit and you robbed those those poor people what do you got to say for yourself and he says i uh, i gotta go and then they both draw and uh the saying is we can't tell if uh we can't tell who shot him first because of how quick both of them drew yeah. So it's this weird thing of, of, you know, what happens when two good people come to a town that's owned by, you know, no laws, where good people come to a place where there are no morals to really be held. And they're honestly just trying to keep their heads down while they figure out the next play. Yeah. Four episodes I, in. I, I think it's really good. I'm, I'm interested in watching it mainly because of the star power there. Like I'm a big fan of Ian McShane. So uh, many. I know, I know Jim Beaver's in there. I know mm-hmm. Nick Offerman's in there. I know that. Mm-hmm. It's very well received, both so critically and by fans. You go from so, a, yeah. It's it's obviously a very good show. Mm-hmm. I just it it's a weird thing with me and westerns because I'm like I'm not gonna seek out a western or anything. Sure. But some of my favorite movies are westerns truth one of my favorite shows is a western in space truth and every bit of entertainment is derivative of westerns yes there's a lot of storylines that happen in science fiction that took place first in westerns westerns are owed truly um for inspiration and in terms of the shades of gray kind of stories we get I mean, shit, in Community, they do a ripoff of the Western (laughs) in an episode called A Fistful of Paintballs. Yes. And then the continuation of that, A Few Paintballs More. Yes. Which, when I saw the title of the episode, A Fistful of Paintballs, and I saw that it was to be continued, I was like, please tell me the next episode is for A Few Paintballs More. And it was. I was just like. Yeah. Woo-hoo. It's exciting. This is is excellent. It's nice. This is just beautiful storytelling. Yeah. So. The star power is definitely there. But I'm going to come around. Every other scene. Yeah. Every other scene in Deadwood is definitely like it's someone new that you recognize from someplace else. So you you said Jim Beaver. I've seen faces from Son of Anarchy in there. Faces from Dexter. Faces from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. That are really like it's just kind of like, ah, 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 there he is. Ah, Fear the Walking Dead, also another face I saw. So it's really interesting. Um, when you see that many good faces in something and they have a career in the decade you're in, a decade and a half since the show initially came out, it's a really easy – and this is in the first four episodes. It's really easy to put money on the idea that it's a very good show. So Yeah. Um, also on yeah, HBO. It's not a hard sell. Uh, we watched and finished Avenue 5. 
I started that. Yes. It is a very, very... Um, the pace of the show, I would give it a solid 7 out of 10 because the pace is not flawless in the show, but uh, the cast, Hugh Laurie um, as the captain is amazing. It's hard because it is a show that I cannot... It is incredibly... It is an inc- It is like Archer meets Poseidon meets... I Like, technically Armageddon, I guess, because it's in space. Well, I want to say gravity. Let's say gravity, because that's things going wrong in space. Meets, um... Yeah, I guess that's basically it. Meets Titanic. It's like Titanic in space with Archer-style comedy because it's it's these ridiculously people, uh, these ridiculous people doing ridiculous things out in space. Um, it's uh, it, oh man, I really wish that I just knew names better right now in my mind, but I'm so uncollected right now that uh, so Hugh Laurie is the captain, um, the owner of the the cruise Josh line. Gad. What is Josh Gad? Yes, Josh Gad. Thank you. Yeah. Um, who is? I'm trying to help with the names. Thank you. Thank based you. Based on what I know. Yeah, and he is essentially the best, the best character in the entire show. He's ridiculous. He's. I mean, yeah. it's just it's it's to share a small joke. Um, to share a, share a small joke, uh, things start going wrong with the ship, and it's knocked off course, and their their um, year and a half trip around Saturn becomes a three-year trip that they are not prepared for because they're knocked slightly askew (laughs) of their travel. So they ultimately, uh, they're, they're like, okay, well, what can we throw off the airlock? What can we throw out the airlock right now that will, that will basically save us? Um, and if we can give ourselves a little boost from the back, we can push ourselves, um, forward, so we'll basically shorten the journey time. And they're like, okay. And one guy walks up, a rich competitor of Judd, an investor who's very mad at him that things are going wrong. And he says, I've got both of my bowling balls. And he's like, he's like, how are you going to match that? And he's like, well, we've got plenty of things. And um, Judd says, uh, who in, in a previous tour of his, his um, quarters on the ship was showing passengers. It was kind of like a QA thing, um, an HR let's make things good with the passengers thing where they, he was having a meet meet and greets with the passengers and uh people could look at his collection like his collection of all four beetles skulls um on display nice. <laughs> and and he shows up and he's like he's like i'm gonna donate one of the one of the uh one of the beetle skulls and the 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 investors said oh yeah that's real that's real heavy you know of you to to do that real real good sacrifice there Skulls are super heavy, right? And he rolls his bowling balls in, and and Judd, who's trying to compete with this guy, he's, he's like, "Oh, well, that's fine because it's an important one, like George or Harrison." So, and he takes it and he pulls the skull <laughs> into the room, and he goes, "Yeah, something in the way he moves." <laughs> <laughs> that is one small. You don't understand? These guys were bigger than Jesus. It's true, and that's why. <laughs> That's a snippet. I it's really hard to give things away because of the things that continually go wrong. Like right. the death of an engineer. Yeah. They put him in a space coffin and they're like, "Cool." And they they push him out. And it starts it gets a gravitational pull around the ship and begins orbiting the ship. <laughs> so yeah. a dead body begins orbiting the ship in space. Does this through right. crazy things eventually become 
a giant Saturn style ring of shit orbiting the spaceship maybe do they put a light show of Pope John uh, Pope John Paul II um, into it to uh, calm down the passengers maybe nice is there is there a moment in time where uh, the passengers become convinced that it's all a virtual reality scheme and demand to be let out the airlock because it's all fake maybe <laughs> this show is flawless in the nice. way that the morbid dumb humor makes you not only like die of laughter but you're slap you're doing the head the the face palm the whole time where you're like is this happening yeah and things get increasingly worse in the funniest ways yeah it's just a full-on comedy of errors yes i'm i'm looking forward to finishing it i just there's so much there is so much there is so much i'm good at selling my shows too i'm really good at selling my shows so um we watch watchmen we started unsolved mysteries which is on netflix yeah that's a brutal watch man it is a brutal watch it's really hard because you see a bunch of things going wrong with people that you know are clearly doing terrible terrible things um there's one episode now, is updated or is this old this is episode? no this isn't they rehashed it this is all brand new unsolved mysteries because okay. it had like a 200 episode like t- t- 10 season run before on cable television they started producing it again and so i was like can we watch it can we watch it can we watch it i'm like sure i mean we're gonna watch the law you know the the the, the sheriffs and the detectives and the cops at the end go yep and we couldn't catch them and then credits will roll. <laughs> yeah. So just be prepared for that. And she's like, okay, fine. And it's 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 frustrating. It's I mean, there are episodes where like it's it's clear who who did it and they can't catch a guy, or there's a guy who agrees to be interviewed and is clearly the killer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There is an episode in season uh, in the, in this first season. I think it's episode 2 about a lady and the guy's like the guy uh was possessive of his wife. Um, she died right about the time she was talking about divorcing him. Wouldn't let her son into the house um, as soon as she was murdered. And there are about a million things that point to this guy being the killer. And he agreed to be interviewed. He's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, I sleep with her ashes in my bed like a teddy bear sometimes. <laughs> Well, I remember the original run of Unsolved Mysteries. There was actually a guy who got caught because of the show. Yes! Like, he he killed his family, moved across the country, started over, found a new wife, had kids with her, and they're sitting there watching TV, and then it plays how his family died. His whereabouts are unknown. This is what he looked like last time he was seen. This Mm -hmm. is what they propose he might look at or look like now and he's sitting there watching it with his new wife and his new wife looks at the tv then looks at him then looks at the tv then looks at him looks at the tv and then picks up the phone yeah i think my husband is this killer that i just saw in unsolved mysteries (laughs) it's crazy how that works there was a guy i think a news crew got a confession out of a guy in a bathroom with his attorney because he forgot to take off his mic yeah, it's crazy how these things like <laughs> really, really work out. Uh, <laughs> but I digress. Uh, 
Yeah, the second episode. There's like someone someone said about this where like this guy was clearly a murderer, and they were like, "Holy shit!" And um, they were like, "Oh, season episode two is like this guy telling that old episode to hold my beer." In terms of clearly <laughs> killed the the missing person, so right. it's it's infuriating to watch. I think they should open up a criminal investigation into this guy again, <laughs> um, because I think I think it just goes. If I bet if they investigated him just a little bit more, if they went through his things in his house, which didn't happen <laughs> in the initial uh, uh, investigation, that they would have him dead to rights. I'm, I, there's no way this guy doesn't have some kind of like better trophy than the ashes now. Yeah, there's, um, there's two laws that really need to go away. One is jeop- double jeopardy, and the other one is statute of limitations. Yes, Very both of those so. things just need to be gone. Yes, haven't but. watched, haven't watched a lot of new movies, um, just because there are no mov- new movies to watch. I think if the quarantine keeps going on long enough that they'll start releasing movies digitally, which is fine because I want to watch a quiet part, uh, quiet place part two at home. Not, yeah. not, <laughs> not in a theater. I want to watch it at home where no one, where people will shut the fuck up, <laughs> where I, where I well, don't I hear a that, ding, and I'm like, <laughs> I think that at, when theaters reopen, they will be so sparsely sold out that it will be like watching it alone at home. That's true. If you but can get a ticket. But you will still have enough distance that you're in the theater, so you can still hear the gasp of everyone when that thing happens. Yeah, basically. Which is the big selling point of going to the theater, Mm -hmm. to me anyway. We had a catastrophic failure during the episode that I talked about my my first experience watching A Quiet Place. And that consisted of a woman coming in at probably one of the most pivotal scenes in the movie with – a large full soda and a bag full of fresh popcorn had not been in the movie for the first two thirds first three quarters comes in and starts <laughs> crunch 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 <laughs> in the middle of a, uh, the probably the most pivotal scene in a quiet place i about lost my shit and i was about i like i looked at her and I, like i leaned out and sarah actually had to calm me down because i was like I gave her the eyes, and she was African American, so I was afraid to tell her to get out, even though she was breaking the rules, because we know how that can uh, explode in our faces. Yeah. And I was like, and she ended up leaving because this was not the movie she paid for. Right. <clears throat> she walked right into the wrong theater. <laughs> Oh yeah, she 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 was perfectly timed to shit on my fucking day, and my movie uh-huh. experience that I paid for. It was perfect. She could not have picked a better time to come in and fuck my day up. And ever since, she ruined that movie for me. Please just release a quiet place too at home. Please just do a digital release. Please, I'm okay with it. Like I love my movie theater experiences. But by golly, if not every other one, there is someone who talks or someone who will not silence their phone. There's someone who brings a crying baby. Yeah. Alamo Draft House. That's where you need to see movies. <laughs> that's that's all yep. I have to say. That's. Uh, uh, <laughs> but I don't want to keep talking about that and complaining. Um, so since we haven't watched any new movies, we watched Signs and War of the Worlds back to back. Signs is such a good movie. 
it's been a minute. Um, I've I've seen both of these movies before. I think okay. they're I think they're underrated. I really think they're both extremely underrated. The first of which is it signs is M Night Shyamalan just kind of gets shit on for doing controversial things. Nobody liked Glass. I liked Glass. I thought Glass was just fine. A lot of yeah. people shit all over Glass, and we're just—it's an M Night Shyamalan movie. What do you do? You want me to go back yeah. to making remakes of Nickelodeon movies, guys? Like, <laughs> or do you want him to make what he's good at? I thought Glass was just fine for that reason. It was it. Did it play out kind of like a tragedy? Yes, but that's what he wanted to do, and that's fine. It's well documented that I absolutely loved Glass. So truth, and then um, War of the Worlds is a little. It's a little dated. It does not get enough credit for being one of the better, more grievous, more, I don't want to say upsetting apocalypse films, but it's oddly grounded in reality in the way that it is a very intimate. It is not like these movies where it's like, it's an earthquake and there's a tidal wave, so hopefully we can race this speedboat up and not get caught. And here's a shot of an elderly woman and an old man dying together. Because that's what we put in these movies. War of the Worlds with Tom Cruise was very, very good in the fashion that it is very much about a man who has a very strenuous relationship with his kids. And this is before aliens shoot down into spaceships that have been waiting underground for millions of years for them to come over and just extract the Earth of its goods. And... yeah. Despite the fact this movie came out in like 2004 or 2005 and the graphics hold up very well in the way that it's not – if you get an aerial shot, it looks like a news helicopter zooming in. If otherwise, everything is not like wide shots of, oh, no, this is all the things that are happening. Most of the, 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 the shots in the movie occur close up with Tom Cruise as things explode. You see him running from the explosions. You see people exploding into dust near him. And for that reason, it. I wanted to rewatch it because I remember being stressed as fuck when I watched the movie the first time. And it holds up. It holds up very well in the way that it's like, oh my god, like, is he going to make it? There are things clearly going wrong left and right, and these things are very, like, hard to watch. And then humans just start getting harvested. I digress. Um... I thought that held up very well. War of the Worlds. I recall seeing War of the Worlds in theater and being very unimpressed. Mm -hmm. I was very underwhelmed by the whole movie. Um, I thought that it was in, there was an underlying theme of uh, propaganda for soldiers. There seemed to be a underlying message of you know don't hold it against your kids if they enlist <laughs> kind of thing eh. and I that was what I walked away from that movie with and I was just like is this really I mean that's war of the worlds that makes I mean I, I'm not that old but I am old enough to recall my grandparents and my parents telling me the effect of the radio show that actually fooled people into thinking that they had to flee their houses in a panic because we were under attack from aliens yes the old orson wells radio program actually 
fuck people up to where they thought we were actually being invaded. Yes. So I understood the allure of this movie, but I didn't necessarily get the central point, yes. I guess. It, it, yeah. I don't, I mean, it's not really like the whole, it kind of loses the theme in the way that it's not, um, it's not really about the kid. It, it, it's not about forgiving your kids. It's about a man really just trying to keep his kids alive. And okay. In the way that he tries to, he has to, at one point, choose between a son who's who says, "I want to see this. I want to see this." That was not a strong plot point because his his son was just being a brat. It wasn't like I want to go fight. It, at one point, he's on the hill. He's like, "I have to see this. Like, this is epic. This is crazy. Like, I have to see this." In the same way that in the other movie, even the nine year old knows you have to put in a VHS and start recording, and he tells his little sister, "You're gonna want to show this to your kids." Yeah, and. The other kid's like, I want to see this. Um, and he had to let him go. He had to let his son go because there were two people trying to uh, save his daughter who he thought – they thought his daughter was on her own um, yeah. and let him go. So uh, I don't know. It's about making hard decisions in strenuous times. And it's also, more, I think, more about the things that happen to them in – it's hard. It's just hard to say. Right. I think you got to be there for the shock value more than anything. Right. So I digress. You want to talk a little bit of news? There's um, there's one big development that I kind of wanted to not let pass without mentioning. Okay. Um, oh, we recently lost a really big name in comedy. We did. Uh, Carl Reiner mm-hmm. passed away. For those who don't know, he was Mel Brooks' best friend, one of his writing partners on several of Mel Brooks' projects. Um, I The list is so long of things that he contributed on, but our show of shows with Sid Caesar, he, um, he was also Saul in the Ocean's Eleven movies. Mm-hmm. Um, not 100%, but I think he was in some way involved in The Princess Bride. Uh, but he, he, he was he was an icon. Just an absolute icon of a man. Hilarious. And uh, he passed away from non-COVID-related things, but mm-hmm. the man was 95 when he went. So, I mean, we did have plenty of time with him. He will be missed. It's it's really unfortunate. I remember seeing his face in a couple of things, and it was he's clearly, um, it's made a huge impact on a lot of people that he he passed away. Yeah. So I really hope everyone, you know. <laughs> yeah. Everybody, uh, uh, pour one out for the passing of Carl Reiner. Yes, do that, and go watch Carl Reiner movies. Do you remember him? Check out some Mel Brooks, too, because he was a key contributor on a lot of that. Without Carl Reiner, we don't have Blazing Saddles. That's very true. Uh, further news. Let's get, to what the, else news. let's get to the not drab things, because there's some crazy cool. shit going on. Um, 
with with the leaks of certain things um with the announcement of talks there's also just like speculation um there are things to mention in very quick passing like they are making evil dead four specifically a continuation from army of darkness which ash versus evil dead kind of was but bruce campbell is attached um and it's apparently called evil dead rise okay cool we can let that pass because we need to know more about it chicken run 2 is confirmed for netflix 20 years after the original that's exciting for its own reasons that's all we know about it um this one is going to be one for i know you're going to talk about this you're going to want to talk about this so i'm kind of i don't really know where is this how do i put no i want to do another quick one margot robbie is going to face the new uh pirates of the caribbean rehash that disney is doing margot robbie is going to be the new johnny depp of that apparently time will only tell who knows seems a little soon for a rehash i thought parts of the caribbean was flawless even the third subpar movie um i liked all of them i was tired of pirates of the caribbean midway through the second one fair enough uh so here's one uh, that we can start kind of like digging into here um labyrinth 2 with the scott derrickson the director of uh the first doctor strange okay we are available for script (laughs) if if you want to listen to that episode bring us in we're available yeah basically we've already talked about this because they've been they've been talking about doing this especially with the success of the dark crystal um age of resistance that really i think that exploded um the the fandom in a way for them to really start pushing that along so labyrinth 2 i think will be clearly good um hire adam lamberton to play the goblin king clearly um and that's that's really all we need to say about it but hey it's moving along with a director who's really good at doing trippy shit in his movies so that's something that we can like get excited about right yeah i just hope that script is good yeah i hope that script is good too so um there are talks of um we might we probably should recognize another person who passed away joel schumacher uh, oh really a filmmaker i didn't hear about this joel schumacher did pass away the man who ruined batman essentially ruined batman um which is unfortunate uh you know, I didn't. I don't know what other movies he made, but uh, I remember loving Batman Forever when I grew up. I had the, I had all the toys. I thought Batman Forever was really cool. Um, so, uh, poor went out for Jules Schumacher as well. Um, but that transitions me into um, a large part of rumorship that they're talking to Michael Keaton about being the multiverse representative of the dc universe as old batman like samuel l jackson was in the marvel movies as nick fury really yes so he was gonna tie them all together they're talking about having him as the the uh staple for how they're they're combining all the universes how does that how does that make you feel dc fanboy richard schmelz um I'd like to see what they do with it. 
Um, Does it make you feel I'm, like they're steering in the right direction? I like the idea of an old Batman. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of him being used as a deus ex machina more than as the star and action hero mm-hmm. of the movie. Yes. Um, I'd like to see what they do with it. I'd like to see who they introduce along with that. Now, if this is what we were thinking or proposing before, where Michael Keaton is the Bruce Wayne in the Batcave while Robert Pattinson is the Terry McGinnis in the new suit. Would be fun. That would be that would be tight. I would be down for that. Yeah. I'd be down for that so hard. <laughs> so I'm I'm excited. At the prospect. With with trepidation. Okay. So Cool. I'm prepared for it to be bad, but I am I'm not dismissing it out of hand. Okay. The Snyder Cut of Justice League is going to be released. That I am excited about. That's the one I really want to see. Me too. When to the HBO Max. Yeah. <laughs> HBO Max is a solid streaming platform. I really like it. Um I I'm excited too. I don't I don't really like a ton of DC, but what I heard about about the 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 Snyder cut is that he really cut into the lore a lot harder. It sounds like he went hard on yeah. Justice League and then they ended up really toning it down after he quit the project. Whoopsies. After he quit the project after um after Joss Whedon took over, and the actor who played Cyborg in the Justice League movie movie is actually like openly speaking his dislike of Joss Whedon now, and he's saying uh, Josh Whedon was not actually the coolest person to work with. That's kind of what I've been led to understand. Yeah. So who knows? I mean, maybe the Snyder Cut is actually going to be like what what really needs to bring everything back into focus but we'll get our snyder cut and that's that's super exciting like super exciting the most exciting oh yeah you know what i mean you know what i mean so what do I, have? I i'm i'm pulling up the uh, imdb of joel schumacher here and uh there's some he's got some excellent movies on he here. does some of my favorites on here the incredible shrinking woman uh the lost boys yes the lost boys yes um, the number twenty three. He actually did the early Michael Crichton stuff. The he was the director on uh, um, the client, the Phantom of the Opera, Time to Kill, Saint Elmo's yeah. Fire, Eight, Eight Millimeter. He He's... was. It was a disservice of me not to be uh, prepared with a list of movies so people understand the way that they're connected to him. I wanted to go back and look just because I was like, he can't be the man that's just remembered for ruining Batman for me. Yes. There's got to be something else. That was a disservice and, of us, and I'm glad we went back. <laughs> yeah. So I just wanted to jump in on that while I had the list up. Thank you. Uh, they're talking about You're a potential almost three-hour director's cut of Batman Forever on the 25th anniversary. We don't have to. We don't have to, but... I we mean, don't have to revisit the nipples of the 90s Batman. <laughs> um, no, well, were there were there nipples in Forever? Or were there just yeah. nipples in... Okay, yeah. I can remember. I that couldn't remember. Okay, duly noted. But uh, That also had a good three-minute shot of Val Kilmer's ass in the Batsuit. 
Was it Henry Cavill good? No. Okay, duly noted. Was it bad? Uh, let's keep talking about WB properties, okay? Can you th- what WB properties can you think of off the top of your head? This is how I'm going to lead this conversation. Uh, Warner Brothers. We'll go with Looney Tunes. We'll go with uh, pretty much the DC catalog. DC and Warner Brothers have been in bed forever. Truth. Um, what else is up there for Warner Brothers? Harry Potter. Uh, Harry Potter. Lego movies. Yep, Lego movies, for that reason. Uh, that's just off the top of the dome. Yeah. Without doing any research. Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz? Yes. They also do Return to Oz? Um, Probably. I feel like they didn't, even though they owned it. I don't know. Return to Oz. Oh, man, that was a fucked up movie. Rewatched that, um, but I think I already talked about it. So, hey. I love that movie. Yeah. I'm a big fan of that movie. Who's about? Now, the hardest part about, like, reaching into this conversation is that... I don't know how to tell you this in the right way to make it the most surprising. But... Oh, they're redoing Space Jam? I've heard. They they are. And imagine, imagine... Bugs Bunny on the court dribbling around the Wicked Witch of the West (laughs) as he goes to dunk but Voldemort blocks him in the air blocks his shot and then LeBron James comes around the corner and he passes it to the mask Jim Carrey's the mask you are really 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 doing a (sighs) awesome service to me and a huge disservice to this movie and ensuring that I will never have any fucking interest in seeing it. Oh my god. How horrifying. And the mask goes to dunk. The mask goes to dunk, but Pennywise uh, throws a bunch of balloons in his face. These are characters that were seen in a post-rap party snippet. Um, someone recorded in the background a snippet of footage of from the set of Space Jam 2, A New Beginning, and it looks like they're including a ton of WB property characters in this movie. Uh. The Mask, The Wicked Witch of the West, Pennywise, Voldemort, all have been seen amongst a couple others, I think makes me wonder if 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 daniel radcliffe would show up as is harry potter um it i think if it's done correctly it could be very very fun is it gonna be a fanfic writer's wet dream for sure but i'm not against it i'm just not i'm not against it what could go wrong other than the entire movie we know what we're getting into in the first place was space jam that good i went back and watched a little bit of it i thought it was hilarious michael jordan has a little bit better acting chops than i even remember so well have you seen any of the um any of the uh, behind-the-scenes stuff of him filming that? Yeah, uh, some. 
90% of that movie is him on a green screen. Yeah. Yeah. Just do it over again. Do it again. <laughs> do it again. He's playing scrimmage by himself on a green screen. Uh, that's not true. There were there were guys in green screen suits playing with him on the green screen. But he but they couldn't like acknowledge him. <laughs> no. I mean If you watch some of the if you watch some of it, it looks like it looks like an extrovert's torture chamber. Fair enough. The story so, that I read is that he talked shit to those guys in the green sheet. <laughs> he was like a notorious yeah, yeah. shit talker on the court, and he apparently talked shit to the people in the green screen suits too. Did we talk about this on the last episode? I'm not sure. I feel like we talked about it on the last. No, I wouldn't have included it. Maybe I would have. I don't know. But at the same time, I feel like this needs to be talked about twice, even if that's the case. <laughs> well, I mean, with the sequel coming, I'm I'm kind of wondering what the overall premise of it is because the first the first space jam was just you know he had to save the looney tunes dimension yes. of the planet from enslavement and clearly they're going to keep going through the whole dimensions idea that they can start entering dimensions and they'll start recruiting people potentially to come and do these things this, the premise the, of it being basketball was that the guys that they were having to battle against were short. True. That's the whole reason that there was basketball even involved. What is the premise of getting involved in basketball again? Uh, they try to take over the, the entire WB universe, clearly. I mean, clearly. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just This I, is like... Okay. That's what happens. No, the Monstars want to make a comeback. They're they're mad. They lost the aliens. They're like, well, you know what? We just we just need to make an even bigger world. Maybe they've already enslaved other properties, and they're making these characters from the other properties fight for them, and they're trying to get the Looney Tunes because the Looney Tunes is the one that they never got. So they're like, they want revenge. So they start dominating all these other properties. And then they force those properties to fight for them. That's a premise, but I digress. That's a guess. I just, I. It's weird. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. You know what I mean? Um. uh, Let's let's man. We're we're just running long. (laughs) It's hard not to talk about things. I I gotta be honest with you. If it weren't for the presence of Bill Murray, I would be making fun of Space Jam to this day. No, oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Bill Murray saved it for me. Him and Wayne Knight. He's pretty good. He is good. And the Looney Tunes. Because I left, I left, or I went into Space Jam with a not very high opinion of Michael Jordan because the stories about his bullying antics mm-hmm. were coming out at that time. Oh, okay. Like, Michael Jordan is a phenomenal basketball player. Yes. But he's also a dick in the fact that he knows just how phenomenal he is. That There's too. no sense of humility there. No. He is a bully. And he was com- he seems completely outside of the knowledge that if he wouldn't be half the basketball player he is if it weren't for Scottie Pippen, everybody else that was on the Bulls during the 90s backing him. Fair enough. I don't know. And 
I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I went into it with not a very high regard of Michael Jordan as a person. Oh, and okay. I left it with even less. Okay, fair enough. Because I, I kind of uh, wore that tape out, rewinding and playing it again in VHS so much. I liked it so much. Oh, so did I. But I, was... I, but I, I was there for <laughs> Bill Murray, Wayne Knight, and those Looney Tunes. Fair enough, same. Because the Looney Tunes are just like, they were spot on. Because initially when I was watching the movie, like I was kind of like, okay, this kind of drags until the Looney Tunes are in it. And then the Looney Tunes came on, and I was like, okay, Bugs is being funny. And then they're backstage talking about like what are we gonna do we have to challenge them to a fair and square game what are your ideas and and they start talking to all the characters and elmer fudd they're like well we could could we do all these things what are the ideas and they start going down the line until they get to sylvester and they're all like could we could we kick them out could we escape from them could we fight them and then sylvester goes i'm gonna wait for that old lady to fall asleep and then i'm gonna sneak to that tweety bird's cage And then right. she's all, he's totally off subject, still thinking about Tweety Bird <laughs> while yeah. they're facing, they're facing literal slavery. I was like, okay, this is peak, this is still peak Looney Tunes. So right. there's hope for, for See, I would, uh, I Space Jam 2. I, I would still hold Space Jam as an excellent movie if Michael Jordan were never in it. Fair enough. Um, My, the primary enjoyment of it was everything adjacent to him. The basketball, Michael, Looney Tunes, everything else was up. Anyway. I have good news, and I have bad news, and I have ugly news. Okay, the good news? They're changing Splash Mountain at Disney World to not have basis in an incredibly racist film that was made way long ago. By the Walt Disney Company. That's the good news. Yeah, I'm still waiting for it to hit streaming. <laughs> Disney Plus is not Disney Plus without Song of the South. I know, right? They're never going to let that out now. They're never going to let that out now. No, no. You're going to have to go like... to the to the black web, the dark web, to find that. Like the, the oh, they could the premise of Unfriended three could be them going on the black web to find Song of the South. That's how I mean, bad that movie is. He's going to go into the realm of Holocaust deniers on that movie. They're going to be like, we don't know what you're talking about. Song of the South never was released by Disney Corporation. Yes. When we went to um, Disney World and we were waiting in line for Splash Mountain when we wrote it the one time, I went on and I'm like, why? Why haven't they released it from the vault? You know what I mean? Like, aren't we in a, like an awoke era where we know like this could be used as a history piece? And I go in and I was reading about it, and they were like, "Why aren't they releasing it?" And they're like, "Well, because like it's not just placed in a like in a racist era. It has pro-racist messaging in the film. It has messaging that basically tells African Americans that they should just get used to being slaves." And it's enraging to read that. And they're just, it has this whole message of this kid who's like, why shouldn't I run away from home? And they're like, well, it's just easier when you don't fight back. That is why Song of the South is not coming out of the vault. <laughs> that is why it is being burned. The last copy of it should be deleted. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually old enough to remember having a song of the south golden book oh god 
back in the day before VHS and at-home movies and everything, yes. boys and girls. Yes. Back in the day, they would do novelizations of popular movies. Or part of the merchandising was that they would tell separate stories into golden books that were easy primer level reading for children that were just learning to read. Disney did this. Looney Tunes did this. Sesame Street did this. Every child property did this. And I remember reading a Song of the South book. I was six years old. I think we found it at a garage sale and it was like it said disney on the front and it was like oh disney cool i'll read it i was six and i remember feeling very uncomfortable at the end of that book very uncomfortable it was really the, as i recall i don't recall a lot of the specifics of the story other than the main characters i guess being Brer Bear and Brer Rabbit and Brer some other animal, Brer Beaver maybe, I'm not sure. Falling into a pit of tar and then becoming tar babies. And then they were walking around all black, smooth, and they were treated differently because they were tar babies. And the underlying message was that you should be grateful to white people who are kind to tar babies. Holy shit. Yeah. It was... I remember reading that book and finishing it and being like, oh man, I want to shower. I feel horrible after that. And it's like, holy shit. And, and you know, the if the allegory was not going to escape a six-year-old. Yes. Then, yeah, Song of the South should probably be burned and never again released. On oh. the other hand, it should probably be somewhere in a museum. That's it. Just in a museum. For those that are curious. I don't know why we don't have just a, a straight-up museum that addresses um, the struggle of being African-American uh, in America, in the USA, to you know that dates back from slavery. Maybe there is. Maybe I need to look in the, into this. I'm sure there is a little bit somewhere, but they need to have a legit, gigantic – this is the one place where you can have Confederate statues. This is the one place where you can watch Song of the South. This is the one place like – that all of that can be there but this is a nerd oriented podcast if we want to keep this up write it down we'll talk about it on when daniel met rich we'll keep having that conversation but that the very good news is that they're getting rid of it <laughs> okay the bad news okay there's not really there's nothing really ugly about it um you were just on the western theme and wanted to continue i understand that's basically it because it, no i'm i'm pup set okay I'm pupset because it is a water ride at Walt Disney World. Mm -hmm. I'm going to show you the poster on my wall in the video here. I have a Moana poster on my wall. I yeah. have a Moana poster on my wall. That is how much I love Moana, the movie. I think it's the best Disney movie since uh, 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 The Lion King. 
Yeah. And and they have a water ride at Disney. They need to retheme. And they chose the Princess and the Frog as the theme to redo. They had two choices to make there because at the time people were yelling for like Princess and the Frog or Moana. I think it um, ultimately, ultimately, as it stands, it was a better idea to do Princess and the Frog, ultimately. To really pound down on the fact that we need to forget that history. We need to have an African American Disney princess who who recognize who has the same exact experience as everyone every other white ass princess, Native American princess, Scottish princess, and uh, it's hard because I wanted a Moana ride, and that's just me being selfish, right? I feel that a Moana ride would have been better suited for for a water ride. That's me being selfish. What I don't like about it is that they chose it over – they chose Princess and the Frog over Moana in a way as a political statement. But the political statement far outweighs what I want clearly. So it's not bad news. It's just my nitpick. I would have loved a legit Moana ride. Oh my gosh. That would have been Awesome. Um, based on based on what I know of marketing, mm-hmm. based on what I know of Disney, yes, and based on just personal preference and idea, I think an Moana ride is coming. I think no, it is the Animal Kingdom. It's a walk through water park thing. It's not a legit ride. It's coming to Epcot, but it's not a legit ride. I think it would be better suited in Animal Kingdom, and I think it would be better suited as a lazy river, more than a than a log flume ride. Sure. Um, just because Moana is a journey on the water, it makes more sense to have a journey on the water as a lazy river. Sure, there's that too. Um, I think it would be make much more sense in the Animal Kingdom, just because there's a lot of that tribal decorum already there and so it would fit in a lot more seamlessly yeah you changed my mind on this for sure um because i could get behind Um, that too in animal kingdom yeah it's coming to epcot unfortunately but i definitely think that princess and the frog fits splash mountain a lot better in magic kingdom than moana would truth um because you've already got the french quarter there in the Magic Kingdom. Yeah. And Princess and the Frog is set in the bayou. Yeah. It's set in the bayou, so it's already adjacent to the, um, no, not Frontierland, but like... Parts of the Caribbean. Yeah. In that and the Haunted Mansion, which is all supposed to be that Louisiana-inspired section. Right. So it, it fits in there. It fits in it thematically. It fits in with everything. Yes. And and let's face it, Tiana needs the support a lot more than Moana. Ain't that the truth? 
So you know, the Princess and the Frog is the forgotten one of the princess movies, and it's still good. It's a good movie. I've watched it. Have I watched it nearly as much as the rest of the Disney movies? No, not really. It's that doesn't make it worse. That just makes it less. It it's not as appealing to me. Yes, as some of the other movies. Mm-hmm. But that's not anything about the themes or anything. That's more of a truth. I, in my preference, I'm not one to go for Louisiana jazz. I'm not that hip into the Creole coach culture, right? Or even Cajun. I love it. I really, really like that by you feel. I should probably like, that's probably why I should just shut the fuck up and completely rescind everything I've said Uh, (laughs) about. It's it's just more of the, like, I I just want to just me having a Moana poster in my room and not a princess in the frog room uh, poster in my room. is just, was just me being just like the slightest bit selfish. Um, but I don't think it's – I don't entirely think it's a missed opportunity to not go Moana. I think, like I said, and I was already like this before, Princess and the Frog is the clear decision on yeah. on what to do here. And you're right. Thematically, it does fit the entire park much better as it stands. Yeah. So you're right. Um, and plus – And you changed my mind. all the Disney parks, Animal Kingdom is the least attended. Animal Kingdom has the least attractions, and Moana is a big favorite on Disney fans. It really so is. it makes more sense for them to put the Moana ride mm-hmm. in Animal Kingdom mm-hmm. than anywhere else because that's going to increase foot traffic to Animal Kingdom. Truth, hard truth. Well, so, as much as uh, no, that's that's a wonderful two cents. You changed my mind on it. So we'll just instead of being like this should have been Moana, I'm gonna be like, cool. Now can we have Moana like <laughs> yeah. in Animal Kingdom? Maybe they're doing some kind of like walk through Water Garden uh, in in Epcot to just get more representation in Epcot because the only thing in Epcot up until they had they changed from the Nor- Norwegian mythology ride to Frozen was food. Like, essentially, yeah. California Adventure, a futuristic space car ride. But they're getting much better in, in adding the things that they're adding. They're going to have a Ratatouille ride soon. So, you know, that's exciting reasons to go back when the pandemic is over. But let's not start that. Yeah. <laughs> let's not start that. Um, you know, honestly, our last topic could we could just we could just do it on the video game episode we're uh, going to do of Excitement Inc., to, to follow this up because I really wanted to cast the Borderlands movie. Yes. Yeah. That, that sounds like a ton of fun. Um, so yep. why don't we just save that for the next one? Cause we already ran over two hours talking about a bunch of shit. Um, yep. And, and we go, we'll, we go hog wild on these. We've been built up for a while. We've been know. built up for a long time and trying to keep up with things, let alone when we're not doing it. Cause it was a, it's been a month since we did our other episode, um, our catch up episode, because I've been trying to edit, get them all together, um, get ready to blast them at the right time, which we are very close, uh, closely approaching here. So, um, this is going to go out very soon. It's like when you else. haven't gotten laid and like, or jerked off in like a month, it's like, it's like March 1st after No Fat February, and you just paint the freaking wall. That's where we're at. Yes, we are painting the wall. the wall. We've had a lot to paint. 
and that's why we needed yeah. to do that. So we Backed will up. we will cast the Borderlands movie on the video game episode of Excitement Inc. that you can find next to this. Thanks for joining us and listening to TV and movies for another two hours straight again. I'm Daniel. I'm Rich. It's, we'll get back to the normal format soon, I promise. Um, I'm sure y'all mind, except you don't. Still, watch everything. Goodbye. Still haven't full schmelzed. Yeah, still haven't full schmelzed. We'll do that. We'll do that next time too. Still bunged up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is like the second podcast in a row that we've done that you didn't get to full schmelz that you were ready to full schmelz. That's true. You know, like I said, we're backed up. We will begin with full schmelz next episode, and we will end with uh, 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 casting the Borderlands movie. All right. Okay. Hitting the record button.